You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Discovering Multifamily Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Scandariato with Red Knight Properties. And today we have a special guest here with us, Edward Carrion. And Edwin, actually, we were just talking before, he's a New Jersey native. So for those of you who are familiar with me, uh, I'm in New Jersey as well. So we're just bonding over that. But Edwin is a successful and respected real estate developer. He's been able to coach and help individuals turn into multi-million dollar real estate developers. He does one-on-one mentoring. So he's able to help his clients achieve his goals. And he's had over $30 million in real estate development sold and he's going to talk about what exactly he does on the development side and how that's different than just buying an existing property for cash flow. So, Edwin, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's really a pleasure to have you. Hey, Anthony, how you doing? Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So talk to us. How did you get into the development world? Did you start out with just buying existing properties or how did you start? Um, I left the Marine Corps in 2002. So when I left the Marine Corps, I really had no idea what I wanted to do, what I was going to do. And my mother told me, you know, get into real estate development. Um, She actually told me get into development. I had no idea what development was or what the word really meant. And, uh, you know, did some research, found out about real estate development. And the good thing was that, you know, I was the right person at the right time at the right place because in 2002, real estate was, you know, was an upgoing trend. It's starting to boom again. So I was able to ride the wave of 2002 all the way into 2008. I did a lot of real estate development projects. And that was one of the reasons I was able to scale so fast because of the market was just growing. Like it was a crazy market, just like it happened last year until now that has been going out, up a lot. You've been in the business in, about 20 years? Yes, I've been in the business for 20 years. So it hasn't been that long. I would say it hasn't been that long because it's, you know, Every time you continue learning, it's always a learning experience with real estate. Exactly. But my point being, like you said, 20 years is actually not that long of a time to be in a career, maybe to some people. So how are you able to scale your business within that 20 years? And how are you able to start out with, you know, the development? Because a lot of people don't start out with the development process. When I started, when I started real estate development, I started... And I learned everything in experience. You know, I was um, on the job training. So I learned everything on my own, you know, reading books. Um, I had a, a, friend of, uh, a friend of mine that he was a general contractor. So he gave me the steps to build a property, but I didn't have a mentor per se. And one of those biggest things, the biggest difference of when I started into the development side was that nowadays people have so many opportunities to get into real estate development because there's a lot of mentors out there. There's a lot of people willing to help. There's a lot of more access to information versus 20 years ago when I started into the business, there was nothing like that. So of course, you know, there was a lot of learning curves for me that I had to go through. There was a lot of failures along the way. And my biggest failure was in 2007, you know, from 2002 to 2007, I built this multi-million dollar company. I built over $20 million worth of real estate. I bought, sold, made a lot of money. And then the market just crashed in 2007. So all of a sudden, all this money that I made was tied into a bunch of projects. So I went bankrupt and I lost everything. From there on, 
it was a learning experience. I think going bankrupt is one of the biggest learning experiences you could ever have because you know what you did wrong and you know what you did right. And as long as you take that learning experience and learn from that, a lot of people don't learn from that because there's quite a few people that I know nowadays didn't learn from that bubble in 2007. But I, was, I took advantage of that. And from there, I moved to other industries. I went into the jewelry business. Um, I scaled that company really big. I sold that company back in 2014. I went into the transportation business and came back into real estate development. But one of the things that I did when I went back into real estate development was that when I started, I started building first-time homebuyers, you know, small houses, uh, 1,200 square feet, four bedrooms, two bathrooms, one car garage, all selling between, you know, 250000 to 300000 Nowadays, my smallest house is $3 million. So I build projects that are between three to $5 million projects. Excellent. So where are you focused on for those larger priced homes? What areas of the country? I built exclusively in Miami, Florida, in an area called Pinecrest. You know, I, I like to be within a few minutes from my projects because I also live in the area. And nowadays I build, uh, my construction company is actually a hobby for me. I build it, I'm a developer, but as a hobby because I continue building long-term wealth and as a real estate developer, and also focusing into the multifamily, which creates a lot of cash flow. Excellent. So when you talk about development, are you putting together projects where you're acting as obviously the head developer and you have maybe a general contracting arm of your company and you are doing basically built the suits for the end residential customers, but are you I guess, investing any of the proceeds or, you know, holding on to the properties yourselves when you're done with them, or is it mostly just to build and, and to resell? No, we're built on spec. So everything that we do is we build on spec and um, we buy a project, like they say, we'll buy the land, we'll build a project on spec. We don't have no customer, nobody's hiring us to do anything for them. Once the project is complete, we'll put it on the market and then we sell it. The reason I like doing that is because I like to make sure that I stay within my budget. I stay within my time frame in construction. We are the GCs. I'm actually the general contractor as well. And I have, you know, the, the subcontractors that have been working for me for over 20 years, I still use a lot of the same subcontractors that when I started, they have grown with me as well. Uh, and that's on the single family, high-end luxury development projects. On the, res on the multifamily projects, we are building duplexes, uh, right now, I'm working on an 11 townhouse project that's going to be a rental project, but we're focusing more on the low-end rental side, meaning Section 8, where we know that if we enter a recession, if we enter a depression, if the market is good, we're always going to get paid every month. Sure. So let's talk about that. And I think it's relevant to what's going on in our country with inflation and construction costs. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what's going on with the cost of you know labor and, and lumber and steel and how are you able to mitigate those you know those costs rising um, are you just building it into your pro forma um, do you have did you buy in surplus before covid like how are you handling the changes in construction costs well nowadays i mean unfortunately we have to do what we have to do which is pass on the cost to the end consumer on, on a development project, it's very easy because we're passing on the cost now to the consumer, which they're buying now. 
on a, on a multifamily project where we have to hold for long term, we have to make sure that we always stick with our numbers. And what I mean by always sticking with our numbers is that everybody's buying crazy right now. And just to give you an example, you know, the same 11 Tahas project that I bought for $600,000 the land, nowadays you can't find, you cannot find land for under a million dollars to build the same type of project. So people are going crazy out there and outbidding, paying a million two, a million three. And those are the same mistakes that I made back in the day when the market was crazy between 2002 and 2007, that one day I'll be buying a piece of land for $50,000. The next day I'll be buying the same piece of land for $100,000 because I was following the trend. So I'm not doing that right now. What I'm doing is I'm sticking to my numbers. I'm sticking to my business plan that there are some opportunities out there that you could find the land to meet your numbers. Even though construction costs have gone up higher, if you buy the land right, then you will have a successful project. So we're not going, we're just sitting on the back lines right now on the fences, waiting for this market to change because it is going to change. You know, the government has shelled out so much money for free. Uh, there's so many things going on. People are overpaying for everything. And when COVID is over, you know, we're going to enter a recession. Everybody knows it. I mean, you don't have to be a financial genius to know that we're headed for that because we had some good years. And the moment that we're headed to that, I'm ready out there to go on, you know, take advantage of a lot of opportunities that are going to be out there. Sure. So let's, let's talk about that. So if the prices, you know, if we do revert back to, you know, 2008 style, which I'm not sure exactly if that's going to be the case, what would be your strategy? Are you trying to land bank? Like what would be your strategy with, as far as land goes, um, when yes. you're trying to, because it sounds like you're, you are trying to buy in bulk plots of land. Yes, a land bank. Take advantage of the opportunities out there. You know, buy a lot of land, buy a lot of properties that are foreclosing, buy a lot of projects. Um, you know, there's opportunities nowadays that I come to my desk. Um, there's a lot of developers going under for being over leveraged when COVID started that, you know, you could buy projects that haven't been, that are 50 or 60% built. So buy those projects and finish them and then, you know, hold them or sell them. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. And I like that strategy. When do you think that will end up happening? We're recording this at the end of May in 2021. Do you have, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but just curious. Maybe 12 to 18 months from now. Yep. That, that, that's what I'm foreseeing. That's what I'm assuming. I mean, a lot of people have been vaccinated now. So uh, the governments are already starting to talk that they want to stop the unemployment. So when the unemployment stops, a lot of people are going to start going out looking for work. Um, you know, that's one of the hardest things in any business, especially I own a transportation company. And it's tough to find employees nowadays because nobody wants to work. You know, they're getting free money. They're getting, uh, if you're getting free money every month, why would you want to work? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's got to run out at some point and uh, yes. I see the, the light ending. So um, so as of right now, and your strategy, you just kind of have a wait and see approach. Is, is that correct? Or are you still? Yes, wait, wait and see approach. But at the same time, you know, there's opportunities. Seek out for opportunities. I'm always looking for opportunities. There are motivated sellers out there. There's a lot of opportunities out there. Um, I am continuing with the projects that I purchased because I purchased good projects at a good price prior to this whole thing. So I'm, a, I'm ahead of everything at the moment. You know, like I mentioned, you know, the property that I bought for $600,000 is worth a million dollars right now. You know, mm -hmm. 
a high-end project that, are, you know, the land for a high-end project that I bought for a million two is worth a million eight right now. So I'm ahead of the ball game. It's so as far as the, the materials and everything else has increased, the price of the end home has increased as well. Right. No, exactly. That makes sense. But it's all, like you said, when it sounds like it, it's definitely cyclical and we see it every single yes. market cycle. So that's excellent. Can you talk a little bit about your um, mentorship program that you offer and some of some of the um, strategies that you teach um, to aspiring real estate investors and developers through that? Okay. Yes. I, I focus especially on what I know and what I'm good at, which is real estate development and business. And I teach people how to become real estate developers. I built my wealth and I'm very blessed to have the lifestyle that I have because of real estate development. And I want to pass, pass that on to whoever wants to have the lifestyle, meaning the lifestyle is, you know, work as little as you can, enjoy time with your family and your friends and do what you want to do and enjoy life to the fullest. That's like my saying. So what, you know, I invest a lot of money every year in personal, personal development, self-development education for myself. One thing that I noticed throughout the years, there's a lot of people teaching everything. I mean, if we talk about just real estate, the real estate alone, there's thousands of people teaching, you know, how to flip. There's thousands of people teaching, you know, how to do commercial real estate, how to do multifamily real estate. But there's a very few people teaching real estate development. So I always like to find a niche in everything that I do. And my niche is teaching people how to become real estate developers. But the other thing that I notice is that all these gurus that are teaching, all these people that are teaching things, maybe 70% of them are fake. The 30% that are real are teaching and they're giving great education out there. But none of them are investing into their students. What do I mean by that is that they'll sell your course. You know, it could be a $30,000, a $20,000 course, whatever it is. You could buy the most expensive course there is, but they'll teach you. But when they finish teaching you, they don't believe in you enough to invest in you. So a lot of people that invest this money into themselves, you know, they want to get ahead. They want to learn. They want to be able to do it, but they don't have all the resources to be able to go ahead and do a project or buy a multifamily building or nothing like that. So one of the things that I'm doing very differently than anybody else is that I don't teach to the masses. My goal is to teach no more than 30 people in a year. And the people that I teach, I invest my personal money with them. And why do I do that? Because number one, I believe in what I teach. So the moment that I believe that what I teach, I know they're going to be successful. So why wouldn't I invest my own money with them? After I do that, they're building their own projects. So that means I don't have to work anymore because instead of me building four or five different projects, I have my students building four or five different projects. They're making money. They're making me money. So it's a win-win for everybody. And I think, you know, that's what life has to be about. You know, pass on what you learn. Be grateful because that's the only way you can live behind. I mean, money goes away. If I give money away, which I have done in the past, you know, that money gets spent and that's it. You know, it covers one specific purpose and it's gone in a second. But if you pass on your teachings to somebody else, that stays there for a lifetime. I love that. I love that. How can we find more about your mentorship program? How do we find um, more about it? The, the best thing is um, go to my website. My website is my first name and my last name, edwincarrion.com. Or follow me on my social media channels. I have Facebook, Instagram, uh, Edwin Carrion 78. Uh, 78, it was the year that I was born, but so it's Edwin Carrion 78. And you can see, I, I really don't talk a lot about the mentoring side of business because I focus more on my personal lifestyle. 
but whoever is willing to learn, whoever is ready to change their lifestyle, you know, I'm here to help out. Excellent. And you also have a podcast as well. I do. I do have a podcast. And uh, the podcast um, I created is called My First Investment Property. And I want to hear stories of young entrepreneurs, young real estate people that get into the market because that's when we make the most mistakes. And if we're able to learn again from those mistakes, you know, it's going to help out a lot of people that are getting into the real estate community because they learn and they make those same mistakes. And when I listen to those podcasts, I love it because a lot of them are making the same mistakes that I made when I was young, when I, when I got into real estate, but they don't have the, they, they haven't learned the value of hiring a mentor. And that's the, one of the biggest lessons I think there is that the moment that you realize that if you hire the right mentor, you're going to cut the learning curve and your success rate is going to be higher. And, you know, sometimes we don't believe in mentors, somebody teaching us, but, you know, we do believe in hiring a trainer, a personal trainer to help us get to our goal weight. You know, we do believe in hiring a meal plan in order to eat healthier. You know, so we believe in those things, but we don't believe in hiring a mentor in business. And the moment that we actually give the value to that and we believe in that, we become so much more successful. 100% agree. And the like you said before, it's more of the time that you spend. And I love how you don't take on more than 30 students at a time, because obviously you want to be able to make them successful. And for you to mentor thousands and thousands of students, I mean, yeah, you can sell a course, but you're not going to have that one-on-one time and it might not be as beneficial for everybody. So I, I love that. I love that strategy. And I believe you did mention your handles. Could you mention your handles as well again on yes, Twitter, yes. Facebook? Uh, Facebook, audience. Instagram is Edwin Carrion 78. Okay. Edwin Carrion 78. Great. Edwin Carrion 78. And then my website again, edwincarrion.com. Edwincarrion.com. And what we'll do is we'll put a link to Edwin's website and social media in the show notes of our social media posts and as well on the iTunes description. And if you liked what you heard and or saw today, if you could please give us a rating on iTunes and review, that helps Edwin and my message get out to a greater audience. And we really appreciate Edwin for coming on the show today and hope to have you on again soon. Anthony, thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to our next meeting. Thank you again for having me here. Thank you.